morning, and welcome to episode one of the Christmas Tree Farm podcast. Uh, we will be documenting our journey uh, from thought and wish to purchase of a farm and, and the ins and outs of how we're, how we're growing our Christmas tree farm and tree farm. We, uh, maybe about two years ago, had an idea that we had just moved uh, to a more uh, city-centered area for work, and we had this idea of, you know, farming. And we're both, me and my wife, we have three kids, three boys. We are we're from the country, and uh, I was in the military and retired from the Army uh, probably about five years ago. We've been working in the city ever since. And then a few years ago, uh, my grandfather passed away, and his farm came for sale, and we didn't jump on it. We thought about it. We really thought about it, but the home that they lived in at that time was just um, just too small for us and our family. Um, we could have made it work, of course, but it just would have needed a lot of upkeep. So we thought about buying some of the tracks, but all the the tracks kind of got split up and the family really wanted to get the most money out of it um, possible. So it just wasn't a good fit for us, but that kind of put the seed in our brains, or at least my brain, uh, that maybe uh, farming would be something that I would want to do kind of my second, my second retirement income, if you would, uh, because I already have a military income, a retirement income. So, you know, just like anything, it stuck in my brain and just started thinking, thinking, thinking. So the initial thought was, like him, uh, maybe cattle. Uh, he he raised cattle. He had about 50, 55 acres in Raywood, Kentucky. And he had cattle and raised cattle. He Once he retired from GE, uh, he pretty much raised cattle full-time, and he had a, a few odds and ends jobs. But he always raised cattle. He always had 20, 30 head of cattle all the way up until he was, you know, really old. My father uh, helped him uh, maintain the farm, you know, bush hogging and getting out hay and everything and, and maintaining the cows. And as he got older, they had less headache cows, you know, down to like five or ten or, you know. But in his prime, he had, you know, maybe 50 or more head of cattle, um, about one per acre. And, you know, I, I was not involved with that in, a, a lot. We weren't involved with it a lot. I was, you know, a little bit. I helped in the summers to help him get up the hay and stuff like that. But I wasn't involved in the cattle operation. So the the thought of the cattle, you know, was kind of daunting because I didn't have a, a lot of experience uh, with cattle. Of course, my dad did, and he, you know, could have helped. But it is a lot of work uh, raising cattle uh, as far as getting them to market and taking care of them and the bills and the issues and the fencing and everything. So kind of had second thoughts on the cattle business. Not that we might not partition off a little piece of our farm now, you know, to have a, a pair, a heifer pair, but right now it's just not in the cards. So got to thinking about, you know, agricultural farming. Of course, you know, we couldn't get into any kind of large uh, crop land agriculture where you need hundreds if not thousands of acres uh, to try to you know, make a profit on it and, you know, buy huge tractors and combines and the whole deal and seat drills. We just couldn't, that that wasn't in the cards for us. So we really had to look at hobby farm type stuff, small farm operations, things that took 
a lot more investment, maybe with time and material up front, and had a higher profit crop that, you know, just took more time to raise. And so we looked at several things. Uh, I think like a lot of people look at when they, if they have a little bit of land, they look at what they want to do. So in our discovery process, we kind of uh, decided on a few things, honestly. Uh, but the two things that we initially kind of landed on were uh, blueberries and uh, evergreen trees, right? So Christmas trees and landscape trees. Um, so with that, we kind of knew we, we wanted to get into, you know, that, try to get into that market. Well, being not having a huge horticulture or agricultural background, I, you know, I started digging in and reading and watching YouTube videos and, you know, just doing all the normal things that <clears throat> that are available nowadays to, to learn. <clears throat> and what I quickly learned on the blueberry side was that, uh, you know, we live in central Kentucky and the, the ground here, I mean, for the most part, it, it has a lot of solidic limestone uh, and the calcium is really high, uh, at least in our area, in our surrounding area. So the typical pH you know, is, is close to seven, right? Which is good for almost everything else but blueberries. And blueberries really require a, uh, a pH much lower than that, you know, in the three to four range, you know, to be to be thriving. So we haven't written that off, but we kind of backburnered that and, and put our full attention on Christmas trees. Uh, we have a, a, a little bit of experience growing evergreen trees. I previously lived at a you know, at a place we were growing, we were growing some trees there on our property just for us, uh, and just just a lot of experience just in general with with that kind of with that kind of crop, right? Gr growing trees and understanding the ins and outs of that from seedlings, you know, on in. So, with that being said, we kind of now are like, okay, we want we need a land that's going to support growing Christmas trees or evergreen trees for landscape, you know to kind of go too far. We, we hadn't identified that we wanted to be a U-cut Christmas tree farm yet. We just knew that we wanted to grow them either for a sale for a wholesale nearby or a U-cut combination, you know, or landscape. You know, we just, we knew that that's what we wanted to do. Um, so over the course of maybe the past year and a half, we were looking for properties that were within 20 to 30 minutes of our family. So a lot of uh, a lot of the farming, you know, for us came back to, you know, after I retired from the Army, we I got a job working in the city of Louisville, and we wanted to be, I wanted to be close by to that so that my commute was, was less, and, you know, but what I determined was after being gone for so long in the military, traveling, you know, across the United States and the world and being in different areas every couple years, I was kind of still in that mentality when when I got out. So it didn't bother me initially to, to move. You know, we moved a couple times when I got out. We moved, you know, to the town of Bargetown, uh, and then we moved, and then we ended up moving to Louisville, and then we and then we moved to uh, the outside of Louisville in Oldham County. All of these things to kind of make the commute, you know, better, kind of in that figuring things out phase once you get out of the military, which I've talked to several vets and it seems very common for, for us is, 
you move around several times once you get out because you're just caught in that same cycle of military life. But I, I think after about five years of being retired, we've, we've kind of figured out what we want to do. We, we want to be closer to home, be closer to family, my parents and, and her dad and aunts and uncles and, and, you know, get back into that life that we really left that had been gone for 20 years or longer. So we knew we wanted to be within 20 to 30 minutes of our hometowns. Um, and I'm from Raywick, Kentucky, which is in Marion County, Kentucky. And she's from Babersville, uh, Kentucky, which is also in Marion County. So we knew we wanted to be in, you know, Washington County, Nelson County, potentially Marion County, if we could be on the edge of Marion. So that would be a little bit closer for the, my commute. My commute to work, because I still be working, is close to an hour. But given the scenarios, I would rather drive the commute than have to continue to be so far away from family that we can't make all the events and, you know, be there close enough so we can visit each other, you know, on the weekends and stuff. So we started looking for properties and, and you know, just like everywhere, it, it's very hard to find properties. You can find land or you can find a house, but in today's landscape, it's very hard to find land that is suitable for what you want to use it for and a house that is suitable for what you want to use it for. So then your next decision, you know, logically, a lot of people listening maybe have went through the same scenarios or are living in the same scenario right now, is do you buy land and then just build your farm up over time and then build a house on your land? Or do you build a house on land and then build your farm? You know, what do you do? Do you got to you got to pick or choose? So our first our first inclination was that this was going to be a long term, you know, investment. We knew that you know raising evergreen trees for Christmas trees especially would be, you know, a seven to ten year investment before you get any money back. And then we might augment some of that income with pre cut trees and some smaller, you know. Uh, 10, 15, 20 gallon uh, potted trees, of course, but that's still just a small amount of money every year compared to the investment that it would take over the course of seven, you know, years before you get a, a true cut crop out of your trees. So we looked at land and we were all set to buy a piece of land, but the utility cost to get the power to the farm and the water to the farm because you know we we are farming you know like you said we've done a lot of we've done our research and talked to lots of farmers and other tree farm farmers and you know just learning from a lot of people's mistakes we knew we needed water on the farm uh either either a lake or or stream or uh actual city water so we had found a property that didn't have any lakes or streams and we could have you know you can dig a lake and wait uh, but still, that, there's problems that come with using lake water, um, feeding, feeding trees and stuff because of the fertiliz you know, fertilization and runoff and all that stuff. It, it becomes a, a different a different problem that you could have watering your trees. Um, but you know, we, we were set that we are going to you know use irrigation at least for the first two years of a seedling's life, so that we need we need water on the we have to have water on the farm. So the cost of that and getting power out there was going to be significant so we backed out of that you know 
and then we went back to work looking for people that were selling farms. This was anyone selling a farm. You know, a lot of times you get an absolute auction in this area, a couple of them a year, but you're limited on where they're at and what they got. And so we just kept looking. We kept looking. We found a we found a place that was close to my mom and dad's. Um, had a nice farm, but it was more grown up than we wanted. It would have taken a significant amount of time and resources to condition the land. Uh, you know, removing trees and that kind of thing to have pasture to have fields for for trees it had some uh, it just wasn't it wasn't optimal and the house was it was relatively new I think it was less than 20 years old but it again was just smaller we have a larger family it was it you know the house is more set up for you know three or four people max where we have five uh, <laughs> with three boys uh, in the six, nine, and 12-year-old range that'll be turned into, you know, full-grown men soon. We got to have the room to support that. So that didn't work out for us. And then, you know, maybe a couple months later, um, something popped up for us in Springfield, Kentucky. And we never, you know, really considered living in Springfield because it was kind of uh, out of the way what we were thinking. We knew we wanted to be you know, Marion and Nelson, because that's kind of directly in line with how I go, how I would go to get to work. But Springfield, uh, they're, you know, based on where this is, it actually was a great fit. It's near, it's near a big highway. It's, it's, it's located between a couple really great neighborhood areas. And it's, you know, less than, less than 30 minutes from a lot of, you know, smaller towns in our area. So the market for people that would want you know, a live Christmas tree or food plot trees for deer or whatever. There, there's some market there that we're like, okay, you know, this might be a good spot. This property was about, it's about 30 acres and mostly is rolling hills, which, you know, through our research, we found that if we're wanting to grow certain varieties of trees, we need, we do need the hills. We need the highs and the mid parts of the hills to have the proper drainage for the trees that we want to grow. And in the lower land areas, we can grow a different species of trees. We may have, you know, uh, different fields that are in the lowlands for that. Um, so we were interested. And needless to say, we we did buy the house and we moved. And we're well under our well on our way to, you know, starting a Christmas tree farm and tree farm. Well, we purchased the house. We purchased the farm, and we moved probably three months ago now. Uh, we missed and, and the things that you learn, and these will be subsequent podcasts, of course, because I, I really just want to document our our journey and what we're wanting to do, and then how we did it. And there's a lot of things that I've learned in these three months, and, and over the course of you know two years, while I'm you know researching what I need to do and watching and learning and. You know, there, there's just so much that goes into tree farming. And it, a lot of what I've learned, I guess, is a lot of people have experimented with tree farms or Christmas tree farms or, you know, orchards. And I think the two biggest lessons learned that I that I picked up along the way is one, uh, they don't they don't understand the work that goes into the soil to make the soil amendable amendable and, and the right 
you know, for your trees, you know, pH levels and micronutrients and just organic matter, you know, a lot of crop farmers understand this, and I, I picked up a lot of that, you know, kind of along the way. So on my side, the tree the tree farm is is the cash crop, right, for us. The tree farm is the cash crop, but we're still we're still putting the work in to, to make the soil for the entire property uh, usable, uh, you know, to the same the same level that you would, you know, corn and soybeans or, or anything else because, you know, trees have their own specific requirement. Each tree has its own specific requirement, uh, which we're going to, you know, work to make our soil amendable to those trees as best we can uh, here in, in central uh, Kentucky. But I think the highlight of our podcast is going to really be about taking care of the soil, getting these getting these fields prepared for future uh, Christmas tree plots, plantings, and kind of how we maintain that and what we do to take care of the trees and irrigation methods and, you know, mulching and the ways we're going to try to not use synthetic fertilization. And we're going to really try to use cover crops and uh, green manure type system for, you know, and then perennial cover crops, you know, for a lot of the fields that won't get, uh, that won't get used for, you know, seven or 10 years, you know, we're, we got seven for some of these fields we have, you know, the one acre fields will have, you know, six or seven years before we even need this field. So we got a lot of time to put perennial, uh, cover crops in that to use green manure, increase the soil, uh, fertility and tilt, uh, but I'll leave you with that. I don't want to make it too long for this first podcast. Uh, we'll feature, hopefully, uh, we'll get to feature my wife on here. She's got other ideas and dreams that she wants to accomplish with the farm. And uh, our boys are obviously the legacy of the farm. Hopefully, you know, they take an interest in this. Uh, we will We will also make a YouTube video. Um, we will, still thinking about how that's going to go, but what I believe we're going to do is, in the future, we will start recording these podcasts over top of YouTube footage of us doing stuff so that the podcast will actually be available in video format on YouTube, and it will also be downloadable here on Spotify and hopefully Apple, uh, iTunes, and whenever we get our website up and going, we'll, we'll, we'll get it on there as well, but, you know, that's kind of old business. We Everybody knows that everything now is either available via YouTube or the iTunes store or Spotify for those people that subscribe to it. Um, if you've got any questions, uh, feel free. You can shoot me an email. It's Sissel, C-I-S-S-E-L-L, treefarm at gmail.com, and that'll be in the description for the podcast. Uh, future episodes, for, uh, like most podcasts, we'll, we'll shoot for one every week or one every seven to ten days as appropriate. Uh, it's not going to be a full-time thing for us. I just want to really document it and see if there are other people out there that are in this community that have things to share, more of a way to learn from people uh, in our area, even in surrounding areas, uh, to grow our knowledge. 